Welcome to the Trap Shooters United podcast. I am your host and owner, Joe Brumfield. I created this to help share, showcase, and support this amazing sport by talking to shooters, vendors, parents, and companies. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Trap Shooters United or like us on Facebook. This episode is fueled by Bioki, high-quality ammunition manufactured right in the heart of America with locations in Ozark, Missouri and Little Rock, Arkansas. I choose Fioki because it's loaded in the USA and has extremely light recoil while still crushing targets. But you made me think it to yourself, Joe, why should I believe you? You're just a mediocre weekend shooter. And you know what? Point taken. Let me find someone with a lot more credibility. Hey everyone, this is Shelby Skaggs, ATA All-American, Oklahoma Trap Shooting Hall of Fame member. In our sport, being consistent is the key to success. Fioki's line of shotgun ammunition is second to none in this regard. Proven by my 772 straight in the singles competition during the 2022 Grand American, experience the Fioki difference. If you're like me, customer service is at the top of the list when it comes to buying anything. Combine that with the lowest prices and highest trade-in values, Michael Gooch with Indiana Gun Club is without question the number one choice for your next gun. With one of the largest new and used inventory selections in the country, Indiana Gun Club will have the right gun for you. If you're looking to buy your first competition gun, upgrade out of your current gun, or just simply wanting to add to your collection, Michael Gooch provides a five-star experience every step of the way. Give Michael a call at 317-502-2675 or send an email to gotgunguy43 at yahoo.com. I've personally purchased two guns from Michael and I guarantee you're going to be treated right. Welcome to episode 44 of the Trap Shooters United podcast. Joining me today is a longtime shooter out of the state of Illinois, three-time Illinois state team member, Southern Illinois School of Medicine graduate, Dr. Michael Rubhausen. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Joe. Absolutely. Let's kick it off with a little bit of a recap of this year's Illinois state shoot. Um, it just ended and you, I, I believe you stayed the entire week. What were some of the highlights there that you can recall? Yeah, probably some of the best weather uh, on record there. Uh, really until Sunday afternoon, we had pretty much bluebird skies all week. A little windy to start the week on the marathon days, but really great targets. Uh, a lot of shooters um, looked at the attendance, and it looks like Illinois is going to make a five this year. First time that that's been the case in quite a while. Uh, but it was really great to see uh, they have the AIM championships the weekend before. So even without the the AIM shooters in that, uh, very, very strong attendance for the whole week. Some really good scores that I noticed um, in-state. Um, Steven Margerio, I'm probably butchering his name, but um, he, he had a lot of good scores. Um, the high all-around and the high overall shooter, I think he had a 396 in the all around. Let's see. Yeah, Landon Seavers. Um, all around and the overall, 367 in the overall, and a, three, and a 396 in the all around. Yeah, a whole squad of shooters from uh, Calhoun 
not too far there, but uh, they actually had a 998 squad on the championship singles, uh, three 200s and two 199s, just incredible shooting. I think there were 11 200s uh, total on Saturday and 25 199s. That's crazy. I, I can't imagine being on a squad and shooting a 199 and being the, the low person. <laughs> yeah. you, you can ask uh, Mr. Phil Kiner about that one. Of course, uh, 20 years ago, almost to the day, was when he uh, was the low man on the 999 squad there with the Munsons and uh, oh man, Mr. Bumstead there. But uh, amazing shooting all around. It's been uh, really great scores all week. Uh, even with a little bit of wind and cloud cover on Sunday, the double scores were quite good. Uh, and the handicap scores, I think 99 won in state. Uh, Marvin Beamer from uh, Missouri had a 99 out of state. Uh, you mentioned uh, Larry Bumstead. I just saw that he passed away a few days ago. Um, great shooter out of, out of the state of Iowa. Yep. Very sad to see that. But uh, uh, getting to the point, unfortunately, that uh, many of the folks that I grew up watching shooting and sort of idolized are getting to a certain age where uh, we're seeing some of those folks pass away, unfortunately. For sure. Uh, Another mention, uh, obviously, we got to mention Dagan. Um, Everywhere he goes, U.S. Open, Illinois, it turns into the Dagan show. Um, 395 on the all around and a 381 on the overall, which is just absurd. So shout out Dagan there. Yeah, um, I think he was 15 up on the rest of the field, just about on the overall. Uh, just incredible shooting there. Um, take us back. Um, how did you get started shooting? So I come from a family of uh, outdoorsmen. My dad's a big uh, hunter and fisher. Um, he actually he worked for a steel mill. Uh, after he got out of the Air Force for years, and they sort of unceremoniously uh, laid him off. Um, This is about the time I started shooting trap competitively. He ended up becoming a taxidermist, of all things. But, uh, you know, he has always had a love of the outdoors, and I started uh, going along with him when I was pretty young, went deer hunting for the first time, I think, when I was eight years old. Probably shot a BB gun for the first time when I was around six or so. Um, Grew up just outside of the St. Louis area in southern Illinois and have kind of called Illinois home for most of my life here. But we still have a 100-acre farm, actually in Pinckneyville, not far from Sparta. Um, that we uh, hunt uh, deer and turkey down on there. So started with that, started hunting doves a little bit uh, when I was a little bit older and could handle a shotgun, a, a Browning A520 gauge uh, that we still have, actually. And he competed in a trap league um, for a long time. This was back before I was born. I kind of knew about that a little bit. He had a trophy that I had seen and kind of talked to him about And after I had hunted doves for a little bit, I asked him if I could go trap shooting sometime. And we went and wasn't very long thereafter, I was hooked. When you first started the early years, like 02 to 07, um, you hit it really hard as a sub junior and junior. Uh, What kind of memories do you have of those years traveling around? You know, some of the best memories I can think of, um, you know, got to know, 
you a little bit and uh, one of your buddies you ran around with, Cody Sullivan. Uh, a lot of the folks who have been on here, uh, AJ Brenner, uh, who you know mentioned one of the other guys we were around with, Mikey Breeden. Uh, a lot of you know summer spent traveling, shooting, um, just really fond memories. Um, kind of did the circuit around the Midwest, kind of all the states surrounding uh, Illinois. Um, 2003 really hit it hard. I think I shot just shy of 15,000 targets that year. That was by far my um, busiest year. Um, went to pretty much all of the state shoots. Never went to any satellite grands. I, I just couldn't make it with school and everything uh, up to the Great Lakes, but uh, shot pretty much every state shoot. And then I would uh, go over to Vandalia and uh, shoot in Ohio uh, all the way through uh, when it uh, moved to Sparta. And then... Uh, all the way up until 2007, still shot quite a bit. And then uh, school started to get in the way a little bit. So um, during that time, did you take any lessons or clinics from anybody? I think you took a Leo clinic, but I'm not 100% sure. Yep, that's correct. I, I took a clinic from Leo um, just before uh, the Grand in 2006. And it really um, jump-started my uh, remainder of 06 and then into 07. Uh, my singles average jumped up about a target and a half. I started shooting more consistent doubles, a um, little bit better handicap. Uh, it really made a huge difference for me. And, um, you know, what's really interesting is having done a clinic with him, going back and watching his videos. I got a copy of them from Carla at the Grand last year, and I gave them as a gift to my dad, who started to get back into shooting. And uh, they're almost identical to the experience that she had in the uh, the clinic. So even though he's no longer here, um, he's very much um, someone who I think pretty much everyone you've had on this podcast has looked up to over the years. I mean, I think he's arguably probably the best that's ever done it. But uh, uh, just a truly kind and great man, but a wonderful teacher as well. If I have his videos on digital copies of them. Um, so I, I, I watch those every now and then. Um, was Randy Ross doing the clinics with him at that time or, or no? He was, but he actually didn't come to the clinic we had. That was actually one that Carla was doing the support for. Um, I think we had a full two squad group there. It was either nine or 10 people. So it was a pretty busy one. But uh, uh, being just before the grand, I, they were either coming from another shoot or the timing didn't work out. But with he and Carla, it was a fantastic experience. I mean, you never would have guessed that there were that many people there because of the time and attention that you got. Yeah. What was the number one thing that you that you took away from that, in your opinion? I think uh, the timing exercises that he did, you know, you shoot as many targets um, going around, especially when you're a younger shooter. It's a bit of a um, sort of, you know, drag. Um, it just really, you know, you get a little bit tired and you almost go through the motions a little bit and you start doing things with less than 100% effort without even realizing it. And he had this exercise, which I still use today, where I would start poking at targets or moving a little bit early before I really saw the target. You'd throw the gun up and you would hold it and he would pull the target when he thought you were ready, not when you called for the bird. And it really helps my timing to just, number one, realize you have way longer than you think. And number two, you know, if you're anticipating, you're not really taking a good look at the target. Um, yeah. 
aside from that, it was really sort of his philosophy of where you look at a target and how you look at it. You know, I used to always think about the targets. Okay, you look at the whole thing, but it was no break it down into quadrants. And when you're shooting a right angle, look at the upper outer right-hand side of the target on a left angle, you know, upper left-hand side. And that really helped me on handicap because the smaller your target, the more you're looking, the more you're going to accurately point that target. For sure. Uh, What was your gun progression up to this point? You mentioned the 20 gauge you kind of started out with. Where did you kind of go from there? I moved to a uh, Benelli Super Black Eagle, which actually to this day is still my dove gun that I use. Um, I got it Cerakoted because it's been through some things over the years, but I broke uh, my first 25 and 50 straight with that gun. And I finally said, well, you know, I want to do some competing. And I think it was the fall of 2001 is when I signed up for the ATA. Um, I had been shooting a league over at uh, Winchester at the Olin Gun Club there. And one of the kids on one of the local teams was moving to a different gun. So he had a BT-99 Max, which is basically a BT-100 without a dropout trigger. So I purchased that gun, shot the Grand that year with it, and started to break some better scores. I think I broke a 99 for the first time with that and was shooting more consistently. And at the Grand, I said, look, you know, if I'm really going to do this, I want to be able to shoot an over-under, have a combo and all that, and end up purchasing a Beretta 682 Gold X. Uh, I think it was from Elmer uh, at Fairchild's there. Um, broke my dad's heart a little bit. He uh, he traded in his Satori Plus uh, that oh. he had shot for years, which you can't, you can't find those guns anymore. No. The guys who have them hold on to them. But uh, he, you know, to this day, he doesn't regret doing it because, you know, it was something that he did for me, which I appreciate more than I can say. But, you know, when you talk about guns that get away and you wish you never would have gotten rid of, that's still very high on his list. So after that, uh, 2004, um, as a graduation present, my grandfather was kind enough to say, you know, I I know this is something you really like to do and want to do. You can kind of have your pick. And I ended up uh, getting into a um, MX 2000 RS combo. I actually shot that gun for 20 years. And just this past year, uh, I decided to make the move to a, a K80 trap special. And it's a beautiful K80 trap special. <laughs> well, thank you very much. It's, uh, you know, I I decided if I was going to do it as long as I've shot that Barazi, that it would have to be exactly the right one. And uh, fortunately for Pacific Sporting Arms, they uh, had exactly the one that I was looking for with the engraving I wanted and everything. So uh, I I could go out on a limb here and say that, most trap shooters don't keep the same gun for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a funny thing. Um, you know, I really had never had a temptation to change guns because every time I went back to it and looked at it, I said, look, there's really nothing wrong with the gun or how it shoots. I did add a ProSoft. Um, I had a pretty big hiatus for some years, um, which we can talk about in a little bit. But uh, when I came back, I found that I was um, pretty profoundly recoil sensitive compared to when I was younger. And the the ProSoft really made a big difference for me getting through, you know, 300 bird days and not shying out of the gun and having issues. So I think that's on the docket for the, the Krieg off as well. But so far, I've been able to, to shoot it without a recoil reduction device. And I've got it fitted to me pretty good at this point, And it's, it's shooting pretty well. Awesome. Um, after graduating high school, um, you just you mentioned it, uh, took a little bit of a pause on shooting. I'm assuming that's when obviously college 
and then you, know, you go into your doctorate. You, can you kind of go into how long was your schooling? Kind of what was the hardest class you had to take? That sort of stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty long road, but it's something I knew I wanted to do pretty much my entire life. Um, I actually thought I wanted to be a neurosurgeon for a long time and sort of through medical school and everything figured out that uh, that wasn't the specialty for me. But um, after high school, um, I slowed down a little bit, um, went to undergrad at Washington University in St. Louis. Um, uh, pretty good uh, research school there and um, took summer classes um, when I could um, and sort of got done a little bit early. But uh, once I hit medical school after four years of undergrad, it really um, slowed down my shooting. I would go to the club here or there. But um, after about 2009, um, which was the end of uh, undergrad, I really didn't register a target all the way through uh, being finished with residency, which was 2019. Um, four years of medical school, and then I ended up matching into plastic and reconstructive surgery, uh, which is what I do now. I'm a plastic and reconstructive surgeon uh, at Southern Illinois University School of Medicine uh, as an assistant professor. It's actually where I did both medical school and my residency there. So that was another six years. And in 2019, I moved to Kankakee, Illinois. It's about, oh, an hour south of Chicago and went into private practice for two years and then had an opportunity to come back down to, I'm in Decatur, Illinois now, uh, about 40 minutes or so uh, as the crow flies east of Springfield, where the main campus for the School of Medicine is. And I've been practicing here now just short of two years. Awesome. Is there any specific plastic surgery that you're like, specialty of or is it kind of just kind of all the above what's kind of like your bread and butter yeah you know one of the things i always wanted to do is i wanted to work and live in a little bit smaller city or community you know decatur is not small by any means but you know the populace is about ninety thousand or so um and in doing that, I wanted to take care of, you know, blue collar workers and farmers and, you know, the folks that I've really known my whole life and kind of grew up around and everything. So I really wanted to be sort of a broad practitioner as much as one can be in a surgical specialty. Um, the thing about plastics that a lot of folks don't know, you kind of know the, you know, sort of what's in the media and everything, right? And, you know, it's cosmetic surgery and facelifts and breast augmentations and all that. And I do a fair amount of that. I probably do 20, 25 percent of my practice doing that, but I also do things like hand surgery and skin cancer excisions and large facial reconstructions and fractures. And I mean, you name it, I pretty much operate from head to toe, which is something that I really enjoy because it kind of keeps things exciting. Yeah. Something a little bit different, you know, every day instead of just doing the same thing over and over again. Yep. One of the best things is, you know, in a given day, I can, you know, start the day with a carpal tunnel. And then by the end of the day, I'm doing a facelift and then, you know, maybe a motor vehicle accident where someone's got a mangled leg. For sure. What would you say is the best parts of the job and the worst parts of the job? You know, I, I really enjoy interacting with my patients on a day to day basis. I was telling you earlier, I was kind of losing my voice. 
the day you come back after a week off, you forget how much you talk to people in clinic. And I mean, I probably from 7.30 this morning clear until about 20 or 30 minutes before I hopped on here, I was pretty much talking the whole day to people. And, you know, it's really nice to get to know the folks and kind of hear their story and see how you can help them. But uh, I really enjoy that um, aspect, which I'm told is not super common for surgeons. Sometimes there's a little bit of room to be desired for the bedside manner, but I really like that part of my job. And I think it makes it um, easier and more approachable for people because the idea of surgery is kind of uh, scary um, for a lot of folks. Um, the thing I'll say that's difficult about the job is it is just technically demanding. Um, at any given time, you're working on, you know, somebody's body, which has factors of its own. It's not, you know, quite the same as, say, you know, shooting trap where it's, you know, if you execute the motions, everything's going to go right. Um, you're working with living, breathing tissue. And, you know, that's affected by a number of things. It's, you know, what uh, is that patient's, you know, medical background? Are they a smoker? Uh, do they have heart disease? All those different things. So it can be a little bit grueling. And, you know, you feel like at the end of the day, you've done everything you possibly can. And sometimes you still don't get the outcome that you would like. Yep, absolutely. So you picked up a gun um, after taking a little bit of a pause uh, you picked it back up in 2020 or maybe late 2019. Um, what got you back into the sport? You know, it was always kind of in the back of my mind. You know, I would hop down to a, a range not too far away and maybe shoot a box or two of practice with buddies here and there. But to be honest, uh, proximity to a range made a huge difference for me. Um, where I was in Springfield, the closest place was about oh, 20 minutes away, but it wasn't really readily accessible. And, you know, they only threw targets on Saturdays and it just kind of depended. Um, a big part of it was just having time that was my own. And then when I moved to Kankakee, there's a gun club up there that uh, folks from Illinois will know Big Jack Miller. Uh, runs the club there and it was just down the road from me and it was really easy pretty much any day of the week I could go out there and just go shoot a practice round and once I had that going I had the desire to try to seek out registered shoots and do that again and I just got the bug again yeah well it's easy to do I don't think you know especially if you've traveled and gone to all these different shoots it doesn't go away I mean you forged all these friendships and you know I have people that um, I've not shot with in probably 18 years but I still talk to on a regular basis um, and it's one of the great things about the sport is you talk to anyone who's been in it I can probably on one hand count the number of negative interactions I've ever had at all the time I've spent trap shooting. And, you know, that's a real testament to the type of people who are in the sport and kind of the relationships you build with that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you're pretty close to the diamond indoor range, right? Yeah, I was a lot closer um, when I was in Kankakee, but I'm still only about two hours away. Can you give uh, folks who have maybe seen it online or seen pictures Kind of give them an idea of how what it's like shooting indoors like that. 
Yeah, it's a really great um, setup there. You know, it's negative 10 outside or if it's 105, it's a great way to kind of get away. Um, Leon uh, is done a really nice job with that, the proprietor up there. But uh, uh, both of his kids are shooters and they've supported a lot of the youth up there. But um, they have the place open pretty much, uh, I think, either five or six days a week now. Um, they have a separate enclosed area, massive air handlers to kind of keep everything clear and everything. If they're really burning up shells, it might be a little hazy in there. They've got a uh, shot curtain, just like they used to have in Ohio in there to help control everything. But, uh, you know, it's a lot like shooting at night. Um, they throw an all orange target and it's got a good background, but it's not as easy as you might think. It's a little bit of a different feel. There's a little bit of an echo in there. Um, you know, folks have said if you can break, you know, 100 there, you can break 100 just about anywhere. I'm not sure why that is, but it does have a little bit of a different feel to it. But they've been very responsive to suggestions. They added some lighting. They even added a sporting plays range um, into the mix, which is kind of neat. I mean, figuring out the logistics for that was a little bit more difficult because you have to control you know, how you're aiming your barrel, you can't have like a springing teal or anything like that, lest you, you know, put a hole in the roof. But uh, they've been really great. And, you know, it's allowed a tremendous amount of uh, youth shooters in the area to get involved and also allow them to practice year round. Uh, I think um, uh, Wyatt, his uh, kiddo, actually was one of the 199s at Illinois on Saturday, shot really well. So the the proof is kind of in the performance that they're seeing with all that. So it's a really, really neat uh, experience. If anyone's ever near the Chicago area, I would strongly recommend uh, stopping by and trying it out. The model is such that you buy the shells there so that whatever shot is going down range is consistent because they are collecting and reselling the shot. By the way, if you reload, their shot is very affordable. Last I checked, I think they were a buck 45 a pound, which was pretty darn good. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you got your new toy. Uh, what's your setup? What are you running for chokes? What kind of point of impact are you using? That sort of stuff. Yeah. So for singles, I'm running a uh, 30 thousands, which is Kriegoff's improved modified. For years, I shot a fixed um, light full, which from Parazi is 31 thousands. And then my doubles is 20 thousands modified on the bottom barrel and 30 thousands on the top barrel. Again, the improved modified from Kriegoff. And I'm shooting 35 thousands for handicap. Gotcha. What kind of hole points are you using for a, for singles, handicap, and doubles? So that's actually a change that's happened over the past few years as I've come back to the sport. Um, I used to hold a pretty high gun, and now for singles, I'm maybe six inches above the lip of the house, and I hold much more in than I used to. And on handicap, I hold down on the lip of the house compared to you know maybe 2003 when I was shooting a lot, I was maybe two foot above the house, almost a parallel gun. And uh, I found that I tracked the target a lot better and it seems to have helped quite a bit. I still hold a pretty high gun on doubles. I'm about just under parallel um, for the first target. And then, uh, you know, straight over a second. You're a two-eyed shooter though, right? I am. How do you shoot that first target in doubles? Is it more of a spot shot or do you kind of track it up a little bit? 
I track it up a little bit. My biggest struggle is keeping a quiet gun with anything. So um, if I'm able to call pull, I actually have to have my eyes down in doubles to watch the target come out. Because if I look above my barrel, I'll start creeping up and I don't make a good move to the second target. When I'm doing that and I wait for it to reappear above my barrel, I make just the slightest move up. And then it seems like my eyes automatically go to the second target. Yep. Gotcha. Um, Do you have any superstitions when you're shooting you know um i was thinking about this the other day i was actually listening to your episode with nikki hood and the one thing that i've noticed i started doing is exactly what she talks about is when i'm shooting doubles i take one out of each box now that i'm back to shooting uh two boxes on my belt for a while i just did the one box and i put my uh, second box on my fourth post but now that I have two on my belt, I'll take one out of the right side. I've got one hanging on the left, one out of the left side to start each post. So my thing with doubles, if I'm shooting the same shell, I want to empty the the box furthest away from me first. And then I go into it. Just I don't know why. But if I'm shooting two different shells, then I obviously take one from each one. So... I've currently, um, I've been playing around with two different shells, so uh, to be determined on which one I actually stick with, I guess. Did you go with a a lighter shell on the first shot there? No, no, it's actually a little bit different. I have a bunch of one ounce um, Pioki seven and a halfs that I bought uh, by mistake. I thought they were (laughs) an ounce and an eighth, but um, I've been, I was shooting the light ones on the first shot and then just the one ounces on the second shot just to kind of get rid of them because I don't know. I just, I like an ounce and an eighth better um, shooting handicap and whatnot. So, but yeah, that's kind of my thing. I'm just kind of messing around with that and just trying to dump them. If anybody wants to trade, I'm happy to trade. (laughs) (laughs) I told you you need to hop on. Able Ammo's got that. uh, I did. Right now there, I actually have 10 flats in my cart. Uh, I haven't, um, I haven't hit the button yet on them, but it's a really good, really good price, especially for the premium uh, white rhinos. I think it's like one hundred and four dollars for a flat shipped. Yep, so, no shipping. Yeah, so. you can't beat that. I think they said that's uh, through Thursday or so. So All right, I, I got it. I got it. When this comes out, it'll probably be done by then. But uh, pretty good <laughs> to work with. That was the first time I bought from them, and uh, Illinois can be a little bit tricky. But uh, they just took a copy of my um, FOID card and my driver's license, and they said, no problem. Here they come. Yeah. Indiana is easy. You just go in, buy, swipe the card, and be gone. There you go. Uh, Favorite place to shoot? It could be all time. Uh, You know, it's probably got to be Brittany Shooting Park, uh, the state home grounds in Illinois. Uh, They throw a great target. Uh, The Mueller's have been fantastic over the years. The Boars as well. Carol and Larry. Larry's now passed away. Um, But, you know, everyone, uh, I think for the most part, probably knows Lauren at this point. Um, But uh, they continue to do a great job. And, you know, there's, for the most part, at least two major shoots there a year. It's only about an hour and a half from me now. So it's proximate, which is helpful. Um, I would say besides that home ground, it's probably Mason, Michigan. Um, 
I don't know why. It's not that I particularly love the background or anything. I've just always shot well there. I went to the Great Lakes Grand in 2007 and shot some of the best consistent scores I've ever shot there. And uh, Michigan State shoot, I was telling you about a shoot off I had up there, but I just randomly shot some of my best scores in terrible wind and rain up there. And it's just always been pretty good to me. I wish I could get there more often, honestly. Now, was that up there? Is that when you uh, beat AJ in doubles? No, that was actually uh, <laughs> that was a shoot off at Indiana, um, and the the lights are pretty notoriously terrible uh, at Indiana in the shoot off banks. And it was a night where it was really foggy, and so add that to uh, white targets, and it was like shooting aspirin in a, a white fog. And I mean, you'd shoot the pair, and everyone would kind of look at each other, look back at the score, look at the delegate, and we're just like, <laughs> I, I think we hit them. <laughs> so it it was pretty interesting, but that's probably the only time AJ's ever lost a double shoot off. I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> well, he'll appreciate me bringing it up here. Oh boy. I, I've got a feeling I'm going to get an angry message about that one. <laughs> um, so. Create a squad, create, create a, a squad of best of all time. Who are you putting on it? <sighs> Man, um, what what discipline are we shooting? Uh, we're shooting all all disciplines. So you're trying to get a 400 out of 400 out of everybody. Wow. Okay. Um, Leo, uh, I think you got to put Dagan on there the way he's been shooting. Uh, Pat Lamont. Um, let's see. If it was just singles, I'd probably say Earl Scripture. Um, but I think for all around, probably put Ricky and probably early 2000s Harlan. Okay. Early, early 2000. I mean, Harlan pretty much had the decade, like 2000 to 2010 was pretty much the Harlan Campbell show. So. <laughs> and I mean, still, I mean, an incredibly tough shooter, um, you know, he was at Illinois actually, and he shot some very good scores there as well. Oh, absolutely! So. Uh, I would, I would, I'd be hard pressed to find five other shooters to to match that squad. So I think it'd be pretty good. Well, thank you. Now, number one shooting tip for a new shooter: What would you tell them? Um, this kind of goes along with anything when you're trying to perfect a craft. Make sure that your um, practice isn't meaningless. Um, you should have a purpose or a goal with everything. And that kind of speaks to the difference between training and practice, I suppose. When you go out on a weekend and you say, okay, you know, this is what I want to work on, you don't worry too much about the scores. But, you know, say for instance, I was talking about starting to creep a little bit with my gun holds and move that sort of thing. My singular focus is I want to make sure that I'm consistently able to hold my gun, still see the target and make that move. It doesn't matter what the outcome is. The next step to that is then to practice that to the point that not that you can hit it every time, but that you can't miss. Yep. Uh, What about some long-term or future goals uh, that you have? This could be within shooting. It could be, um, professional professional life i know you have some changes coming um <laughs> shortly uh what what would be some of your goals 
Sure. Um, you know, I've hit it pretty hard early this year, um, and I think I'm going to get enough targets in to be qualifying for the state team, the open team in Illinois. I'd like to make the open team. Um, you know, I don't think in the future, maybe years down the road, I mean, being competitive enough is one question, but being able to travel and shoot the targets to go for All-American later. But, you know, maybe down the road when I retire, that'd be something that I would like to do. Uh, but um, I'm not able to shoot the grand this year because I've got a kiddo on the way. Actually, my wife is uh, just over 34 weeks pregnant and we're expecting our first next month. So I'm going to be sitting out the grand this year, enjoying life and starting a family. So should be pretty exciting. Um, pretty happy with uh, life and career progress at this point. I plan to be in Decatur for a long time, practicing what I'm practicing and just continuing to work for the School of Medicine. It's a pretty good gig. I get to teach folks and I get to do what I love to do every day, which is nice. The other thing that's nice is I'm not too far away from gun clubs. I talked about you know proximity to local clubs. There's actually two pretty good clubs. I'm going to work on kind of getting Decatur Gun Club back up and running in the trap realm. They're really a, a long-established skeet club and the the trap shooting has kind of died away a little bit over time and they kind of need someone to sort of champion that so that's kind of one of my immediate goals i can be close to home and not travel too far and work on that awesome congratulations on the little one i know the gender are you able to share the gender or is it still a secret to some family no uh, i can share this is going to be a little girl that we're going to have we're not sharing the name though oh well we all know it's probably like josephine i would assume Maybe maybe the next one. Yeah, no, for sure. We uh, we're very excited, and uh, you know she'll be uh, competing for uh, Lady One trophies before you know it. Yep. Uh, Maybe about I don't know, fifteen years from now, we can. Yes. We'll be old, retired by then. So I mean, we could we could probably um, try for the sub vet All American team in twenty years. There you you go. You know, I keep telling my wife I'm never going to retire, and she kind of looks at me like I have three heads. But, you know, that's one of the benefits of loving what you do. But uh, uh, that's probably not true. I'll probably retire at some point here. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Last question here for you, then I'll let you go. I know you're on call today, so we've we've made it through. Um, Anyone you'd like to thank or give a shout-out to? Um, You know, I— I'd be amiss, uh, remiss uh, not to thank my parents and grandparents who have been really supportive. Um, as a youth shooter, you know, your your family a lot of times is sort of, uh, you know, your rock, your essential um, support when it comes to doing all the travel and the monetary support that goes into it. And one of the things that I've truly loved is that, you know, my, my dad very well could have shot all those years when I was in school and things like that, but he just wasn't into it the same way. And when I kind of came back to it, he did as well. Um, I think I told you the other day, I convinced him to go see Gooch and he, he bought himself a Krieg off himself. So, um, but you know, just having him there being supportive of me while I was shooting all those years um, and then being supportive now that I've come back to it. Um, and the same for my mom, you know, she came to the the state shoot this past weekend, which, you know, I'm in my mid thirties and it's still kind of a neat thing to say like, Hey, you know, your parents came to support you and see you and just that they have an interest in that. So, and uh, you know, my grandfather was always very supportive. As I mentioned, he was the reason I was able to get a Prazi and shoot and do all these things. And, 
unfortunately this this past uh, fall he did pass away and I miss him dearly but you know I've got good reminders of him um, I've got his uh, uh, model 12 trap that he shot for years and every time I shoot it I think about him and it's just been uh, I'm very grateful for all that support that I've had over the years not only in trap shooting but also in my uh, now career and getting through school and everything Awesome. Well, thank you, Dr. Rubhausen, for joining us today, and best of luck with your new baby coming soon. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. That's a wrap on this episode of the Trap Shooters United podcast. Huge shout-out to my sponsors, Fioki USA, Diamond 8 Leather, Michael Gooch, Shamrock Sporting Arms, and AJ Supplies. Be sure to reach out to AJ Supplies for all your reloading needs by calling 419-583-7133. Thank you all for listening. Your support is greatly appreciated. See you all out on the trap line.